Hello Chelton. Well, I must admit, I feel like I am candidating again with this virtual sermon. With that, I am so sorry. I feel terrible that my diagnosis with COVID-19 has brought us to a virtual format once again for the next couple of weeks. It's no fun. No one likes sudden changes. Often that brings us great fear. We'll talk about that today. So for the next couple of Sundays, as a result of sudden change, we'll pause our series in the book of Jonah, and we will resume that once we gather back in person. But for now, let's address what we all are thinking about. So much changes in one year. We all sudden had to wear a mask. We all sudden had to isolate. We all sudden had to go virtual church, restaurant church shut down. And here we are, just we thought we were gathering again back in virtual format. Sudden changes bring great fear. In today's sermon, we want to talk about that, how Jesus is greater than our greatest fear. Yet, let me ask three questions. And that's actually my way of saying I do not have three points in today's sermon. Many of you may be surprised by that, but nonetheless, hopefully these questions will guide us through as we go about. How do you respond when the desperate and fearful circumstances rise in your life, just like 2020? And second, how do you respond when the interruption that causes us great delay, when God's timing does not match our timing, how do you respond? And lastly, how do you respond when your greatest fear is realized? So those three questions will guide us through because that's what happens in today's plot that we are about to look at in Mark chapter 5. So without further ado, would you open up your Bible to Mark chapter 5? I'll read verse 21 all the way to 42. Mark 5, 21 to 42. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. 
and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith had healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up, began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. This is the reading of God's word. You know the plot, you heard the plot. Very simple. There's this guy named Jairus. He heard about Jesus' fame. As soon as the Jesus crossed the river, all people pressed against him. They are all surrounded because they heard Jesus' fame. But among all, there's one guy that stands out. This guy has a special agenda. What's his name? Jairus. What does it say in verse 23? My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands. Now, Jairus was a synagogue leader. When you are a synagogue leader, that means you have all the power, reputation, and money. With that, perhaps, he probably went out to see all the doctors to save his daughter, but nothing came through. So now he heard about this miracle worker, Jesus, and he prostrated Jesus' feet. When you are that powerful, that wealthy, it is rare that you bow at the stranger that you've never met. What can we learn? He's that desperate. Why? Because he loves his daughter. So Jesus is his last hope. And what does Jesus do? Verse 24, so Jesus went with him. Jesus seems to come through. Jesus goes with Jairus. But remember, we are about to switch the plot. But remember, if you and I were Jairus, what would we think? Okay, my last hope came through. So now, if only Jesus gets there in time before my daughter dies, everything will be fine. That's what I would think, right? We just gotta go in time so that Jesus gets there in time before my daughter, anything happens to my daughter. Then what happens? Here, it seems like a change of plot, but Jairus and Jesus are on their way. What happened? Verse 25, they meet a woman who had a discharge of blood, who's been bleeding for 12 years. And verse 26, she spent all her money seeing doctors, but nothing came through. So what does she do? 27, 28, she snuck behind Jesus, 
touched his clothing, thinking if only I touch his clothing, I'll be healed. And surprise, it worked. She got healed. Verse 29, blood stopped and she feel, felt her body that everything's all sudden better. Now, what happens here? While Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, this woman also heard about Jesus, his work, his miraculous work, how he casts out demons, how he heals the one with withered hand. So she also thinks this is my last hope. Both Jairus and the sick woman, their last hope is Jesus. What do they do in their most fearful circumstances, in their desperation? They come to Jesus. Church, how do you respond when the fearful circumstances arise, when the desperation come through? In the end, we all go to see our own measures to see whether anything will come through. We perhaps try to rectify our situation with money, spend all our money to figure all that out. But in the end, underneath of all we are looking for, we are looking for Jesus. In your desperation, in your fear, Chelton, would you come to Jesus? I know change is hard. Change brings great fear. But here both Jairus and this sick woman comes to Jesus. First thing we learn. And what do we learn about Jesus in this plot? Now, what does verse 30 say? Jesus realized that power had gone out to him. And in 31, 32, Jesus is trying to find who touched Jesus. And disciples are like, there are so many people around you. What are you doing? But Jesus insists to find her. And what does Jesus say? And why, first, before even what does Jesus say? Why does this woman come out and trembling in fear? Verse 33, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell down at his feet, trembling with fear. At that time, it was great taboo for an unclean woman because she's been bleeding for 12 years. She's ceremonially unclean. And for her to touch a rabbi, you are breaking a great taboo. And because you are unclean, by touching rabbi, you are making this rabbi unclean too. But what happens for the first time in history, instead of by unclean touch clean, clean becomes unclean rather than that. Unclean touches clean, and now unclean becomes clean. Jesus' power had gone out and healed her. Because of this, she is healed, yet at the same time, we see why she was fear and trembling when Jesus called her out. Come to me, what have you done? She's fearful and trembling because she broke just great taboo. And what does Jesus do? Gently assures her, verse 34, Daughter, it is not some sort of mystical element in my clothing that healed you, but it is your faith that healed you. Now, what we learn from this so far? First of all, both of them come to Jesus. Therefore, in our desperation and fearful circumstances, so should we come to Jesus. Second, do you see here how Jesus rectified all the social standing of our values? See here, Jesus values each person regardless of their social status. Look to this. Imagine this, here Jesus takes time. When woman touches Jesus, all she wanted to do is touch and run. 
but Jesus takes time to talk to her, look after her, to make sure to let her know that it is her faith that healed her. Jesus is, in other words, taking all the time to help her first. Why is this so scandalous? Think with me. Here's two characters, Jairus and the sick woman. Jairus, who is he? He's a male. This lady is female. At the time of culture, male were much more valued and recognized. This guy, synagogue leader Jairus, was a respected leader. She was marginalized, outcast. Jairus, because he had their fame and reputation, probably had lots of money. She had no money. She spent all her money. Jairus was ceremonially clean. She was ceremonially unclean. Jairus, he came first. This lady, she came late. She was on the way she met. And most of it all, Jairus had a cute case, emergent case. I mean, this was an emergency. His daughter was about to die. This lady, she had chronic pain. If she's been dealing with it 12 years, she can surely wait more. But what does Jesus do? In our mind, of course, Jairus is an emergency. Forget about this lady. Let's go, Jairus. Jesus takes all the time you can imagine to care for her first. This is scandalous. Try to imagine this with me. Let's say this is a modern saying. Let's say there's a hospital name called Jesus First Hospital. Two patients walk in. One patient had all the money to pay for it. Another patient had no money. This patient had an emergency case. This patient just dealt with chronic back pain. This patient was very polite, came full prostrating, full please help. This person just wanted to get healed and run away. But ER doctor named Jesus comes out and says, okay, let's compare the case. Okay, the lady with chronic pain, let me heal you first. Oh, I know you're about to die, but why don't you wait a bit? That's a malpractice. You'll get sued for that. What if this person dies while waiting in the ER? You just don't do that. So it does not make sense. But Jesus rectifies all social status of the day and takes time. He's not willing to be hurried healing for this sick woman who's been suffering for 12 years. Church, do you see how Jesus rectifies all social status and Jesus turns the values of this world upside down? Jesus cares for you. You might feel like you're an outsider, but Jesus is still there for you. We learned that first. Second thing we learned, do you see here in this plot that you just cannot bargain with Jesus? This woman, sick woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, all she wanted to do is touch and run. She was fearful, right? She snuck behind Jesus. All she wanted to do is to meet her physical needs and then run away. And Jesus is not content with that. Jesus is saying, don't just meet your physical needs and run away. Come on out. Who are you? Come all the way out. And Jesus clarifies, daughter, it is your faith that healed you. In other words, Jesus is more concerned about your spiritual needs than physical needs. He takes time to let her know, daughter, it is your faith that healed you. This was a very risky move for this woman to come out fully in public as a ceremonially unclean woman. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you are going to come to me, don't just come to me to fulfill your wish list. If you are going to come to me, come all the way. It's not just hit and run. 
if you are going to come give me your heart it is your faith that healed you how do you treat Jesus church you cannot bargain with Jesus when we come to Jesus we come all the way Jesus makes her to come all the way in first century when they encountered Jesus nobody said oh yeah Jesus is cool he's nice he's a decent man no 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 when people encountered Jesus there's two response either worship him he's the Lord or crucify him kill him nobody was lukewarm middle ground saying oh yeah Jesus is cool Jesus is nice church Jesus is the king of the kings and the Lord of the Lord creator of the universe sustainer of the universe then would you hire him as your assistant you wouldn't do that then why do we just treat him as if he's our wish list fulfiller just hit and run and let me go no Jesus you cannot when you come to Jesus you come all the way we cannot bargain with Jesus what's another thing we learn about this here do you notice that Jesus is not willing to be hurried I mean if I were Jairus I'm thinking Jesus we need to go now is the time but Jesus is having a Thanksgiving service with this sick woman. Oh yeah, I'm glad that you are healed. By the way, because you trust in me, you are healed. If I were Jairus, Jesus, this woman's been dealing with a chronic pain. My daughter's dying. You gotta go with me. But Jesus is not willing to be hurried. Sometimes Jesus' sense of timing will confound our sense of timing. God, I have been praying for this for years. Then why do you delay? Why? There are so many interruptions in our lives. Why do you make us to wait? Sometimes Jesus' patience costs our patience, right? All we want is I want you to come through in my time. But once again, when we come to Jesus, we cannot bargain with him. We ought to surrender our sense of timing to his timing. He forced us to wait. And as a result of waiting, he forced us to trust him even more. What do I mean by that? See, church, when you wait, that's the time that you often get to build a relationship with the Lord. See, imagine when you go to amusement park, you wait 40 minutes to ride a 40 seconds roller coaster. And yes, 40 seconds thrill is great, but it is the 40 minutes of waiting time that you got to talk to with those whoever you came to the amusement park with. You got to know them, you got to build a relationship with them. 40 seconds of thrill goes quick. And oftentimes life is made out of interruptions and life is made out of waiting. Yes, waiting is hard. Yes, interruption is terrible. I had my agenda, Jairus' agenda, and this woman comes and interrupts my timing while my daughter's about to die. But Jesus is not willing to be hurried. He is still sovereign in control. Do you trust him in your wish list? Do you trust him when you are forced to wait upon his time? How do you respond when the interruption comes? How do you respond when the delay comes? Would you still trust him? Now, what would be Jairus' greatest fear at this point? Yeah, timing, right? Jesus, you cannot be too late. If you are too late, my daughter might die. Well, what happens? Verse 35. 
while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, yes, Jairus' greatest fear is realized. If I were Jesus, I'm saying, what have you done, Jesus? I trusted you. You said you will come and help. Then why did you delay? What are you doing, Jesus? Are you even really sovereign? You said you are in control of my life and you let this happen? Watch Jesus' response here, verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Wow. Church, will you trust him even when your greatest fear is realized? It's been hard past week for me. Yes, I'm not still feeling fine. I'm still feeling under the weather, but that's not my greatest fear, church. My greatest fear is all those people who are affected by this because of me. I, that thought wakes me up at night. How the church went through huge change because of my diagnosis. How am I going to deal with all that? I fear that I would admit as your pastor. But even in my fear, Jesus tells me, Jin, don't be afraid. Believe, I am still sovereign. See, church, here Jairus came for fever cure of his daughter. Now Jairus is forced to trust Jesus even in the death of her daughter. Will you trust Jesus? I know when sudden changes happen in our lives, it is human default to fear. I needed this passage this week. Jesus, yes, I shouldn't be afraid. I believe. Help my unbelief. I am fearful. What is your greatest fear today? Perhaps, church, you are very afraid of what is going to happen the day after tomorrow. 2020 election day. You've been thinking about it, praying about it, you've been fixated your eyes on it. You're so afraid who's going to sit in the Oval Office. But church, do you know that the one who sits on the throne is greater than the one who sits in the Oval Office? And the one who sits on the throne is saying, don't be afraid, just believe church God is sovereign even today even when your greatest fear seems to be realizing even you don't know what's gonna happen the day after tomorrow the one who sits on the throne is still greater than your greatest fear therefore let not the White House divide God's house because we have the greater king. He is greater than our greatest fear. Will you trust him even when your greatest fear might be realized? That's what Jesus is forcing Jairus to do today. And I think that's what Jesus is asking you and I for both of us to trust him even more. Yeah, lastly, Jesus really is greater than our greatest fear. How do I know? Look to the plot. Jesus goes to Jairus' daughter, the dead daughter now. What happens? Verse 41. He took her by her hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. 42. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. 
here Jesus displayed his all-powerful and all-loving side. Yes, Jesus was all-powerful enough to raise this dead girl from death to life. He's that powerful, yet he's that much caring, tender, loving at the same time. I don't know why, whenever I read Talitha Kum, I always imagined like Gandalf saying, rise and shine. That's not really what it means in Greek. It's such a diminutive form. It's such in the language, a diminutive language saying, hey little girl, get up, wake up, as if the mother wakes up her little daughter from asleep. So Jesus, and then what does Jesus do? Did Jesus need to hold this daughter's hand? No. He took her by her hand. Jesus is holding her hand even in her death to life as if she'll be afraid waking up from her sleep. Church, even when you feel alone, the one who's powerful enough to conquer the death is still holding you by his hand. The all-powerful and all-loving and caring God is still with us. He is greater than our greatest fear. She wakes up from asleep and then everyone's completely astonished from that. Do you trust Him? Even when the desperate and fearful circumstances rise, even when Jesus seems to really delay, even when Jesus' timing seems to really confound our timing, will you trust Him? What is your greatest fear? Even when your greatest fear is realized, even in death, Will you trust Him? He's asking us to do that and shows us that He indeed is greater than our greatest fear today. See here, Jesus cares for this little girl enough to hold her by hand. But do you know that there was no one to hold Jesus' hand at the cross? In the end, only thing that held His hands were two nails that pierced on His arm. And Father let go of Jesus' hand. Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Nobody was there for him. Jesus was forsaken so that even when we feel like nobody cares for us, Jesus takes time to care for the outcast. Because of Jesus was forsaken, still when we feel like our greatest fear is realized, he is telling us, don't be afraid just believe. Nobody was there to hold Jesus' hand so that when we feel like we're walking through all this alone, He is still holding us by His hand. Church, do you know Jesus? Do you know how much He loved you and cares for you? The one who sits on the throne tells us, don't be afraid, just believe. Let's pray. Oh God, often I am afraid. God's sudden changes bring us great fear. I don't know what's going to happen the day after tomorrow. Oh God, there are so many uncertainties this winter with this pandemic. That brings a lot of fear, but Jesus, you tell us to not be afraid and trust in you. So we choose to do that. The one who was hung on the cross, the one who sits on the throne. Through weakness and through strength, you still reign, and we trust your sovereign and loving hand. So Jesus, will you help us? 
and will you help us to take your words to our hearts to not be afraid but to believe so we look to you jesus thank you for loving us dying for us conquering the death for us in jesus we trust in your precious name we pray amen